This is Encounters, a dialogue that brings you multifaceted life stories you don't want to miss. How did you get yourself selected as one of the candidates to go to universities? Because every young man wanted this opportunity. It sounds very strange. Uh, one day I was told you have been picked to study yeah, in, that's in, the word in, in university, and I talked to my farm leader. Said, "No, we are here to open up wasteland, to build houses, to build roads." Are you telling we, me you didn't want to go? I didn't want to go. Wow. His stories of growth are both intriguing and enlightening. Intriguing, because every time an opportunity came his way, his initial reaction was to turn it down. And enlightening, because with every opportunity he grew and thrived, and was able to serve the growing needs of his country. Hello and welcome. I'm Manling in Beijing. My guest today is Huang Youyi, an established professional translator in China. Before he retired, Huang was vice president of the China International Publishing Group. The group is the largest foreign language publishing organization in the country. Despite having retired, he is still very busy in his role as the vice president. Of the Translators Association of China, Huang's connection with English and translation actually started with an ice-breaking visit to China by Henry Kissinger in 1971. Let's start our conversation from、uh, how you were majored in English because you were graduated from the Foreign Studies University in 1975. And that time, universities were not really functioning normally because that's still in the Cultural Revolution period of time. And、uh, you majored in English, as I remember. People then studied Russian more than English. Did we have English major students then? How many of them? Well, actually, I was very fortunate to get enrolled in 1971, in the middle of the Cultural Revolution. But that was a crucial year. Kissinger came. So China was already planning some kind of opening up, even though it was still in the heat of the Cultural Revolution. There was a lot of other talks, but people higher up in the government were already planning opening up China, at least to have more contact with the U.S. and virtually the entire world. And so my university went to Heilongjiang Army Farm. I was a farm worker. Your farm worker, right? I was growing wheat and、uh, soya beans. So you were sent to the countryside in northeast part of China to receive re-education as a student, right? Right. Well, that was a very different time than people can imagine these days. I finished junior middle school. All universities were closed. Factories were not hiring. The year before. 1968, there was a border clash between China and the Soviet Union, so a lot of youth, actually 1.2 million middle school leavers from major cities, were sent to Heilongjiang Province, sort of China's Siberia, 
We were given army uniforms. We were issued with rifles, guns,、uh, bullets. But the two governments managed to talk, and so there was no further military clashes.、Oh. Uh, we used the rifles and bullets to kill wild games. You、Protein. knew how to shoot, right? We learned. It was no man's land, and,、wow. uh, and there were、uh, herds and herds、uh, of deer and and other animals. So you, anybody. You know, aim and you can shoot something, get something. Which part is、um, are you from? I mean, hometown.、Uh, well, my、Beijing、family roots were from Shandong province,、oh. but I grew up in Beijing. I spent my first sixteen years in Beijing. So、and、you then, were sent to the northeastern part right, of China、right. to toil on the soil、right. as a youth. Yes. And how did you get yourself elected or selected as one of the candidate to go to universities? Because every young man wanted this opportunity. Well,、uh, you know, it sounds very strange.、Uh, one day I was told you have been picked to study yeah, in, 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 picked. in university, and I talked to my farm leader. Said, "No, we are here to open up wasteland, to build houses, to build roads." So I was working among several hundred people in、uh, very isolated、uh, mountain areas. Are you telling We, me you didn't want to go? I didn't want to go. Wow! So my、uh, farm leader tried to convince me. He said, "Look." I went to middle school and then I went to vocational school. I don't think my knowledge is enough for me to be the team leader. So my intention is to find every opportunity to send you young people back to cities to study. If you want to come back, you are welcome to come back after you attend the university. But you are the first one we have picked because you work hard.、Oh. Uh, So I was very lucky, and he convinced me, and that's why I, reluctantly I went to Beijing Foreign Language University. Yeah, but、indeed. it was not in Beijing. Not、oh, in Beijing. Universities were not only closed in the sixties. So where was it? They were it? sent to different provinces. My university、oh. was in a desert in the western part of Hubei Province. Foreign Studies University has a branch on a desert. Right, the major in the, the middle the, of the, the, it's called of hinterland of、right. this country. The main campus in Beijing was still here, but it was closed. All students went to this、uh, desert campus, and there we, from、uh, growing wheat, I learned how to cultivate rice. Meanwhile, we were attending schools, but、uh-huh. more and more, we we spent more time studying rather than working in the farmland. Who were teaching you? You know, another fortunate thing is if you go to a prestigious university, you benefit a lot from your, your teacher faculty. Yeah, teaching One faculty. One professor later became known throughout China in the 1980s、mm-hmm. and earlier in the century as a, a famous English language teacher, is Zhang Daozhen. He was my、uh, very household name.、Definitely. He was my homeroom teacher. I learned a couple of hundred words, and I said,、uh, "You were a student of Zhang Daozhen, my right, goodness!" Right.、Mm-hmm. And I said, maybe I want to try to write something out of the several hundred English words I've learned. Would you care to take the time to correct what I've written? He said, of course, with pleasure. Did you have foreign teachers?、Uh, we had. We had somebody who is still alive after hundred years of uh, uh, birthday celebration this year. Israel. A hundred year old. Israel Cook.、Already. Right. Oh my goodness.、Uh, she is Canadian. Her husband was British, and both of them taught us how to pronounce correctly, how to、uh, have conversation in English. But what textbooks did you have? All the old textbooks could not be used. So and then my teachers they themselves compiled. Wow! And they proved very useful because、uh, one of my teachers 
had been an interpreter for Foreign Affairs Ministry. Actually, he worked for Mao for eight years. Wow. Okay. So he learned from his experience. He know what should be taught. Everything was in his mind,、uh, right? Right. 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 So there was one unit on agriculture, one unit on industry, one unit on public health. You know, it's more geared to what an interpreter or translator has to do when you graduate. So we had good teachers, fantastic textbooks, and then you prove yourself to be good students, right? Well, I try to work hard. <laughs> I was impressed, definitely, and even a little bit shocked because I realized that、uh, schools and universities were closed, right, during the Cultural Revolution, and starting from 1971, the country actually realized that it's moving ahead, and because of the ice-breaking efforts by Nixon. And then schools is secretly or not silently maybe waking up. They hired such talented teachers, both Chinese and foreigners, to teach a group of elite people like you before the university system was resumed formally and without the headquarters. Even the headquarters here in Beijing was still shut down. Right? That's right. Yes. <laughs> During the Cultural Revolution between 1966 and 1976, universities were shut down in the country, and the National College Entrance Exam was abolished. But in 1971, a handful of young workers, farmers, and soldiers were picked to go to university, and Huang Youyi was lucky enough to be one of them. The only qualification he needed to go to college then was that. He was a hard-working farmer. After four years' hard work, Huang graduated and was assigned a job at the Foreign Languages Press. Just six months later, when good luck visited him once again, yet again, at first, his initial reaction was to turn down the opportunity. Okay, so then. Uh, you graduated from 1975, three years before China resumed. Maybe two years or three years, right? Resumed its formal university high learning system, and then you were assigned a job to the foreign publishing press. And how come you landed on such a job?、Politically? Everything was arranged. None of them was my personal choice. Along with other 50 students, I was told you go to this place. They need a lot of people who has to learn how to translate, particularly in writing. Maybe in class, I was very interested in translation.、Mm-hmm. You stood、uh, out actually. You、uh, asked Chen Daozhen, you know, to correct your writing. Right, and right. and other teachers probably thought I could be trained as a professional translator. That's why I think they kicked me to. That place, and where I stayed for the next forty-three years, and then share stories that you have when you entered at such a young age, and learned English while working, like you said, laboring at the same time. How、uh, many people were already there before、uh, you entered? About forty people already. What struck me most first、uh-huh. was that there were only two languages spoken in the, in the office. Shanghai dialect and English,、oh. because the、mm. veterans were from Shanghai. Well, there was many returnees who studied in the 1940s in the U.S.,、mm. and also people who were the first generation of simultaneous interpreters for the United Nations when it was established in the mid 1940s. 
Did you feel lonely when people were talking in English and then in Shanghainese, not no, your native language? No. Remember, I was on a farm in Heilongjiang province. There were more people from Shanghai than from ah. Beijing, so I could understand. So every morning, I went to the office and listened to how the veterans talk, what they talk. So one day, one guy came in. He said, "You know, I was、uh, trying to improve a translation on learning from Dajai, a rural village yes, in North Jiangsu, a model of、uh, country farm sort of right, con- countryside." Right.、Mm-hmm. He said the previous translator didn't know how to translate to bring earth to the roots of a particular plant. In Chinese, it means pei tu. Pei tu. Pei、uh-huh. means to bring something together, right? Yeah. Then the other guy says it's very simple.、Uh-huh. The word to use is bank. So、mm-hmm. you know, every morning, if you keep your ears and eyes open, you are learning something. You are like a sponge, right? Absorbing、uh, water every minute in the office. Did you have foreigners there? We had at the beginning. We had、uh, veterans like Israel Epstein. Actually, he、oh, was that, the one yeah, who yeah. we quoted Polish. He's a, my my first written translation. He was I, an old friend of Chinese people,、right. definitely. And he was a、mm-hmm. career journalist.、Mm-hmm. I took my translation to him. Again, it was on agricultural topics, and in an hour, it was sent back to me. I typed it、mm-hmm. in black.、Mm-hmm. Everything became red.、Mm-hmm. I was a little bit、uh, disheartened. So you know, many mistakes, right? Right. right.、Uh, <laughs> but I was prepared because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what you learned on campus is knowledge from the book.、Mm-hmm. What actually is spoken is something else. So I was prepared, but still I was a little bit disheartened, and I realized there was a huge gap from what I've learned. To what was needed, and how long did it take for the、uh, press, you know, your publishing house or the the work unit, to send you to the UK to do some further study? By 1975, China Britain had already signed a、uh, education agreement. China was to send 15 people to study in UK, study language,、mm-hmm. and 15 British students would come to Beijing, like Beida, to learn Chinese. And、uh, I think the Chinese government realized they badly needed people who could translate in English,、mm-hmm. and so out of our work unit, five people were chosen, and I was one of them. Again, this time I went to my、uh, the president of the publishing house. I said,、uh, "You know, we came from university six months ago. There were people who were older than me.、Mm-hmm. They should be the one to be sent first. You're so unselfish." Uh, you were. I truly believed. You know, I was young,、mm-hmm. relatively young, among the graduates, and I, I would have my opportunity.、Mm-hmm. Again, the president said, "You know, we have planned to send all of you to study overseas. Now we have decided on you, and you should go. Don't worry about others.、Mm-hmm. They will be sent." Actually, that was what happened later. Twice I heard you said that you didn't want the chance. It's not because you didn't want it in your heart. It's because you think it's fair that somebody else, older and more experienced, could get the chance. From very、uh, early on, we were taught to give opportunities、yes. to others. The It was in I my want, blood. I know this is、uh, the generation sort of、um, uh, trademark or birthmark we call.、Mm-hmm. We used to be like that, and now compared to today, maybe a lot of people couldn't really understand. Everybody is grabbing opportunities, and then almost thinks that I deserve, not you deserve. That is the change of mentality. And then you went to the UK, right, for the first time. And did you experience any sort of culture shock? Big, big, big、Definitely. culture shock. Definitely. In classroom, we couldn't understand what the teacher was saying. That's one thing. We learn English mostly from Chinese teachers, not foreign teachers. 
And uh, it was sometimes quite a little bit old fashioned because China was cut off from the rest Closed, of the world for, yes. for, for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of new words, expressions. That was new. Did you struggle when you have other peers whose English were much better than you? Well, I learned from them too. Because ah. among 15 Chinese students, there were people who had already worked after they graduated from universities. They were much older. Mm-hmm. They had work experience. Their English was much better. So they were big brothers and sisters. Big brothers and sisters, yes. Uh, so we'll also learn from them. How old were you then? 22. 22. Single, right? Yes. Did you fall in love with some foreign girls? Uh, no, with a Chinese girl who became my wife later. Wow! <laughs> what a romantic story. And yeah. now, okay, very good. After two years in Britain, Huang Yuyi returned to China, armed with his much improved English. He soon saw the country opening a new chapter as it adopted its reform and opening up policies in 1978. He and his colleagues also witnessed the first wave of a booming demand for translations into Chinese, mostly from languages such as English, German, French and Japanese, because Chinese people were curious about the world and wanted to learn from more advanced nations. It took the student farmer from the northernmost part of China more than 30 years to become an established translator in both China and the world. In 2005, 30 years after he graduated, Huang Youyi was elected Vice President of the International Federation of Translators, FIT. Two thousand and eight is an unforgettable year to all Chinese people because after years of opening up and reform, finally we got the chance to hold an Olympic game. But before that, the World Translators Congress was held in Shanghai, and that was something that you feel especially proud of. Especially afterwards, they published a Shanghai communique for all the translators. Tell us the story. How did you make it? I didn't do it. China did it. The, the Chinese translation industry did it. I was elected a vice president, nominated by the president, who was American. At first, when he talked to me, I refused. I said, I don't have time. You refused this third this time. Vo- this is a volunteer job. You know, I don't have time. Uh-huh. He said, you know, your translation profession is growing. So I think it means a recognition of the international translation circles of what was happening in China. And then I decided to take the job. Every day I spent more than one hour discussing through email, through conversations on how to enhance translation as a profession in the world. So it took me a lot of time. And one thing we decided to do since China was growing, since the international community in translation recognized China's growth, we decided to play host. So we went to Finland, we made an offer and we got endorsement. That's why in 2008, before the Olympics, the only international conference that was held in China was on translation. This was the third time he'd wanted to say no to an opportunity. This time, it was more a case of being too busy to shoulder the extra responsibility than an altruist habit. But once again, he relented and accepted a role in which he was to excel. Just three years later, 
For the first time, he successfully brought FIT's World Congress to Shanghai, and this marked a moment of worldwide recognition for China's professional capacity in the field of translation. Throughout his career, Huang tried time after time to turn down good opportunities that were offered to him. So I wondered why, time and again, he managed to prove himself as a high achiever who, in the end, makes the most of the good luck on offer. Every time you were so reluctant to accept the job, but after you said yes to it and you went all out, all guns blazing into the job, why is it? Is this because of your personality? Once you, I promised- never ask myself this question. I think that's the、uh, training we received. That's the way we were educated. That's the way we grew up.、Mm-hmm. Yes, you never give up. In this episode. Juan has explained why he always said no when opportunity knocked. It's simply because Juan belongs to an old generation of Chinese people who sincerely believe that others should always come first when it comes to opportunities and benefits, even if it might mean voluntarily and willingly giving away opportunities for better jobs, better housing, and better pay. Next week. He will tell us more about what he learned from those foreign professionals, including Israel Epstein and the American editor Joanne Pinkham, who not only polished his language, but also mentored him on his career. I'm Manling. Thank you for listening to our program. And if you liked it and want to listen to us again, just find us on our website, ChinaPlus.CRI.CN, and Apple Podcasts. <laughs>